Evening, everyone. Hello. Got friendly faces, smiling back at me. It's like CR, but on a Wednesday. <laughs> Who's been to CR here? Put your hands up. See, it's like CR on a Wednesday. Hey. Well, it's the same message. It's the, <laughs> it's the same message, but let's see if I can say it slightly differently. <laughs> Yeah, God, thank you so much for this evening. Thank you so much. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would, yeah, come rest upon each of us. Rest upon each of us now, Lord. Would you speak through me? Yeah, would you take away any fear and would you speak through me? Thank you for this opportunity. Amen. So, first of all, I want you to take off any kind of learning hat that you've got on. So, get rid of that, because what I feel like God wants to do tonight is that he wants to bring revelation to your heart that's going to lead you into a deeper relationship with him, all right? This isn't about learning a lot of, hello Eric, this isn't about learning a lot of stuff to make, you know, for, for your quiet times, for your times alone with him, so do more stuff. This is about coming into a deeper revelation of the love of God and what he's got for you, because that's what he's all about. He's all about relationship. And everything I talk about tonight is based on that fact. It's based on relationship. It's that fact that he loves you more than you know, <laughs> and he wants you to love him back, and he wants that relationship with you, okay? And there's a lot of stuff that gets in the way of that, and he wants that to be removed. So... I'm, I'm talking on walk this way, <laughs> and um, I'm talking, and I'm talking about what it means for, to follow Jesus. Um, we're going to be um, we're going to be looking at the, like the, the fifth or sixth R's, if you like, of uh, the five R's: um, re- replacing and realigning. And everything I talk about is the fruit of what comes if you replace and you realign. Okay, um, and th- so the first thing on your notes, have you got your notes all in front of you? Living as children of light. Because that's what God's created you to be. That's who you are in Christ. You are the children of light. Like, the old is gone, the new is here. This is your destiny. There's nothing actually you can do about it because you are going to be like Jesus one day. You are, you are turning into the image of God. You are going to be like him. So this is prophetic, living as children of of light. This is what this is your destiny. So what we what what the aim is is that we aid God in getting to that place. We don't we don't fight him, that we do our we play our part. And we can do that by replacing and realigning. So I'm going to just read out this scripture. It says, With the Lord's authority I say this live no longer as the Gentiles, as the unbelievers. For they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned from Christ. That's not what you learned. Since you have heard about Jesus and you have learned the truth 
that comes from him. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupt by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. About your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature. Created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. You have a new nature. You have a new nature. It's not, you're not getting a new nature. You have one. It's already been done. In, um, in Isaiah 61, Jesus, when he, come, when he came into the temple and he, and he, and he, and he uh, picked up the scroll and he, and he read from Isaiah 61, and he said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because, and he said, I've come to proclaim the good news to the poor, to bind the brokenhearted, and to set the captives free. To set the captives free. He is so, that's what he came for, to set us free. He didn't come so we, we, that we'd have a great new religion. He came to set us free. He, he died on the cross for us, for that bondage of sin to be broken and that we can be free. He's so serious about our freedom that he died for it. And I've written on there, Jesus is serious about our freedom. Are we? And sometimes I don't, I don't think we are. We're not as serious as, as God is about his love for us. God has accomplished everything already. He's done it. So it's just about us coming into agreement with that, coming into alignment with his truth, and then we'll experience all that freedom that he's got for us says in Galatians 5, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. I've just um, got this new translation of um, the Bible called the Passion Translation. And I picked it up when I first got it and I read on the back, it's got Galatians 5. And I love what it said. So I'm going to read it to you. It says, let me be clear. The anointed one has set us free. Not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. We must always cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. Isn't that beautiful? That's a whole deeper meaning to it. That's our job. We, we stubbornly refuse to go back. Yeah. Okay, we need to be passionate and intentional about remaining free. We need to be passionate and intentional about remaining free. It's not going to happen on its own. If we just bumble along with our lives, freedom isn't going to be a fruit. It's definitely intentional, and that's from my own experience. Um, I want to tell you a little story about my allotment. I say my allotment. It's actually probably my wife's allotment. Um, but I don't know how many uh, gardeners we've got here or how many people that are interested in the garden, but even if you're not, this story will speak to you, okay? So uh, we've had an allotment for about mm, nearly seven years now, or maybe a bit less, maybe six years. And in the beginning, I was really passionate about the allotment. I loved it. I was down there every weekend, uh, whenever it was sunny, even if it was raining, I'd be down there. I'd be digging it over, 
I'd have a, I had a vision for this allotment. It was going to be the best allotment on the whole plot. I, I had uh, raised beds. I had borders. The soil was going to be turned and fresh. Uh, the shed was painted beautifully. It all started out really well. I had a great vision for this allotment, and I had a lot of passion about it. And other people's allotments didn't seem to look as good as mine or looked like they were going to get very good because these people had either lost their passion for the allotment or they'd been there a few few years and, they, and they'd, you know, then life had got a bit busy or things hadn't quite worked out the way. And you, you can see the run-down ones. So you can see the spaces that aren't looked after, the, the, where people aren't intentional, where people don't put in the time, where people, yeah, actually, I'm going to stay at home on Saturday and watch the football. There's a, there's a difference in the, in the soil. There's a difference in the appearance. There's a difference in the fruit that's produced. An allotment that's tended and cared for and looked after produces really good fruit. The yield is a lot more than an allotment that is you know, half weeds, half... Uh, 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 thistles and brambles and bindweed and all the things that just creep on. And another thing about allotments is <laughs> that if you dig it over the whole, the whole ground and it looks lovely, that isn't just it. If you come back in six months, it looks like a field again. Everything's grown back. And that's very much like our spiritual walk and our, and our life with God. If we're not intentional about digging out the weeds, if we're not intentional about cultivating the soil, if we're not intentional and passionate about the things of God, the truth of God, we get sidetracked and the, the weeds start to pop up and the, the ground starts to look, and then it looks very messy. And then, oh, it's a big job to get back. So that's my an analogy of, of an allotment and, and, and the soil that... that, that this is. We are good soil. We are good soil. And we need to plant the truths of God in us. And we'll, cu we'll cultivate good fruit. Um, so keeping it weed free takes time, it takes passion, and it takes effort. And, and remaining passionate. Because there's nothing worse than going down there when you don't want to be there. And that's a little bit like my story now. <laughs> my wife's laughing because she loves it down there. She would be down there any day of the week. Whereas I, I need to be, my, my arm needs to be twisted and I need to be dragged down. And that's no fun. There's no passion involved. Where's the, where's the life in that? And that's very much with our, the same as our walk with God. Be passionate about him. Be passionate about the truth. And this is why the five R's and repentance can sometimes not be effective. And this is following on in your notes. There is a genuine danger that the five R's can become a formula, that they just become religious. They become void of any, any passion. We, as humans, love to cling to methods. We love to cling to formulas. Oh, if I do this, this, and this, I'll get this result. If I do that, that, and that, this happens. But that's not the case with God. There's the principles, the truths are there. But God is it's about relationship. It's about living. It's about life. And 
It's about hearing the now word. It's about living in that, that yeah, covenant relationship with God, that commune, that constant communion, knowing his heart for us. The five, the, the five R's will help you. They've, they've, you know, that's guaranteed. But don't let them become just a formula. Jesus revealed that everything is about our relationship with God and the Spirit. Repentance isn't just a little prayer, a blessing time to make us feel better when we've sinned. It's like, you know, if I repent, then I'll be in God's good books again. Or I just need to repent and and, then I'll be okay. It's really important to have that conviction if it comes from God. But that's, that's not the point of it, so we feel better. The point of repentance is to come into agreement with God. And when we do that, we, re- we produce fruit. We produce fruit in accordance with that repentance, in keeping with it. We, keep, we, keep, uh, we produce fruit by keeping ourselves aligned with the Spirit of God. Okay, a little bit more on repentance. Is that I had this picture of repentance. And, and there it is. <laughs> Repentance is two ways, okay? For me, I always just thought of, like, there's, the, there's, the, there's the thing that I want to repent of. It's in front of me, and I'm going to turn from it. That's it, repenting, turning away from it, okay? I've repented. But God was like, well, what are you repenting to? Like, if you're turning from something, you must be turning to something else. What is it? It's very bold just to say, oh, I'm going to just repent into God's will, whatever, his, whatever he says. The key is to learn what to turn to. What truth do you need to replace? You know? So if, um, we'll come on to that a bit, a bit more. It's, a two way to, it's, it's two ways. Um, what truth do you need to make your own? What do you need to like, listen to God? Like, okay, God, I'm doing this. I'm a, uh, this is, seems to be the thing that is the pattern of my life, and I'm going to turn away from it. Unless you replace it with something, you'll find yourself battling. How many of you ever, uh, have ever repeated, um, or sorry, repeated, repented of a sin, and then found yourself doing exactly the same thing the next day? <laughs> I, I don't know how many times I've repented over certain things. It's because I never really got the heart of God for it. I just got the fact that it was wrong, but I didn't get the fact what was right. I need to come into agreement with God. I need to find out what's right. There's a change of direction. So I think the word in, um, I think it's Greek, it means to, to repent is an about turn. To turn, like when the soldiers marched and they repented, they turned. So a change of direction is needed whereby we fill up on the truth in the mind and in the heart. In this way, we overcome the habits that we've developed over time, and we reinforce, um, over, sorry, over time, that have reinforced the lies that we used to believe. We don't do this on our own. God is with us and for us, but we have to do our part. We can't just say, Spirit of God, remove all those lies from my mind, and then that's it. We have to engage our wills in that. It's, a, it's two ways. And in Galatians 5, verse 16, it goes on to say, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So again, it's being led by the Spirit. It's about relationship, not rules. 
So God wants us to be full. And I really like this. The Greek words for mature, perfect, full, complete, and whole all come from that same root. To be mature is to be filled with the fullness of God. Mature is to be filled with the fullness of God. How many of you can recall a time when, when you've been filled with the fullness of God? I can. Like in, in, in times in my um, recovery, in terms of my uh, journey with God, where I've been just so full of joy. I've been in the center of his will. I've been doing what he created me to do. I've been in a healthy relationship. I've been in that place where just joy flows out of you. Being yeah, full to overflow, where you're bursting, where you're so passionate about God. Such an amazing thing. But then how many of you can remember f- the feelings of feeling lost and broken, confused, right? really disjointed about God and about life and about where you're at and nothing seems to be working and it, just nothing's flowing. Have you, do you ever get that? And that's, where, that's sin. That sin empties us of the life, the love and the power and the truth which God designed us to be filled with. When we've rooted out the sin, it's essential that we replace it to become full. God wants to fill us with himself. We are, we are his vessels. We're his yeah, clay pots. If we don't replace the sin with truth, Jesus warns us about that in Matthew 12. And yeah, it's always one of those scriptures that I find a little bit unnerving. The seven spirits. When an e- and it says, when the evil spirit leaves a person and it goes out into the desert, seeking rest but finds none then it says i will return to the person i came from so it returns and finds its former home empty swept and in order then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself and they enter the person and live there and so that person is worse off than before that will be the experience of this evil generation So when we demolish a stronghold through our freedom prayer, we need to build something in its place. We need to, f- we need to find a truth, a, a, a godly truth, and stake it in. I take it that most of you have been through um, uh, the five R's now. You would have had your original design, and then um, you would have gone on and had your um, freedom prayer appointments. And this whole process of, of recognizing, um, repenting, receiving, yeah, and then rebuking, and now realigning. There's so many R's you could do. Realigning, replenishing, um, replacing, realigning. So we're now, we're now at that place. Walking into freedom is an active and even aggressive lifestyle where we fill up on the truth in the mind and the heart and live out that truth through decisions in the will. In this way, we break the the power of the lie and expose it for what it is, a deception, an untruth that that, that has no reality in us now we're in Christ. 
So the point of these stronghold prayers um, and, and this, this time is to find out the lies that we've been believing, the lies that have taken root in our lives and that we have built our lives upon, that we're acting out of. We're going to demolish those lies and we're going to realign ourselves with the, with the truth. It says in John 8, 32, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But there's a difference between knowing the truth and acting on the truth. <laughs> Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you hold to my teaching. Not if you know it. Because like the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they knew Jesus' teaching. They heard it, but they didn't hold to it. It didn't set them free. It only sets you free if you apply it to your life. If, it's, if you agree with it, if it becomes your position, if it becomes your truth. No, walking, walking in the opposite spirit. Walk this way. Replacing doesn't mean doing things slightly differently. So we're not just trying to find a different way of doing things. Um, it doesn't mean trying harder, you'll be pleased to know, because I do a lot of trying harder. Must try harder. Must try harder. It's not about that. We need to learn how to intentionally and radically turn around and walk in the other direction in the areas that God's calling us to. We call this walking in the opposite spirit. And this is great because um, Jesus um, teaches through Paul how to walk in the opposite spirit. In Ephesians 4, it says, If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for hard work and then give generously to others in need. I think that's amazing. That's, that's practical instructions about how to walk in the opposite spirit. And I take it most of you here aren't thieves, but you can apply this to your life in, in any way. If you are a thief, quit stealing. How, what, does a thief, what does a thief do? He, he pinches things with his hands. Instead, use your hands for good hard work. It's the very thing that you, the old way of life, the old way that you used to behave and believe, do the opposite. And use the part of your body <laughs> that, you were, that you were sinning with, in to do good things. If it's your mind you're sinning in, use your mind for good things. If it's your hands that you, you, you sin in, that you, that you are agreeing with the, the devil in, use your hands for good works. It goes to say, I'm saying, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. This isn't a command to not swear or to, to not curse, even though that's what it looks like. It's, a, it's an instruction on how to walk in the opposite spirit. Use those, that same tool for good, for the glory of God, for building people up. It's walking in the opposite spirit. If you are afraid, you could replace it. If you are, if you are afraid... Uh, to do things, live courageously. If you're a negative, critical person, naturally, if that just comes out of your mouth, out of your mouth, use your mouth 
to be positive and encouraging. If you're a ne negative and critical person in your heart, but you never tell anyone, think positive, encouraging things about people. It's about the area that you, that you struggle in, using that to walk in the opposite spirit. I love them. Well, I don't know. You, most of you know that I'm uh, in recovery. I've been six years clean and sober. Yeah, so uh, fantastic. And the recovery movement has taught me so much. And lots of you will know about CR and you'll know about um, what, what it means to serve and, and what it means to be in, in the 12 steps. And it's, it's amazing because these exact same principles are in there. The first thing you do when you get to a 12-step meeting is they give you service. They say, right, get involved. Start serving. Because an addict is so self-centered. An addict thinks about himself. All he does is care about what he feels and what he thinks. So the first thing you do is you give him some service. Start caring about other people. Start putting in an action that's going to walk in the opposite spirit. Um, the first thing my sponsor told me to do was to start writing out a gratitude list every night. Because I couldn't think of one thing to be grateful for. I was, in, I, I was so in such a uh, down place. All I cared about was me. All I thought the world was doing me wrong. I couldn't see good. And I, in a heart full of gratitude, there can be no room for resentment. So I, so the, I had to reprogram my brain and my thoughts and my emotions to start being grateful. And that was really difficult. I, but I just, every night, write out 10 things my sponsor said that you're grateful for. Doesn't matter if you repeat them night after night, just write them out. And that was a way of replacing years and years and years of just becoming more inward, more negative, more self seeking, more selfish. Another thing that happens in recovery is that they start to, you start to share stuff. The opposite of keeping it all in, not telling anyone. You see, the, the walking in the opposite spirit is key to our changing direction. Replacing is the journey of making... So what is replacing? We're on to that bit. Um, replacing is the journey of making the truth our new position of freedom into a lifestyle so it becomes natural for us. You know, we don't want to be fighting all the time. Like, oh, God, replace. That's not... I shouldn't feel like that. It's got to become natural for us. When it becomes natural, when it becomes our new place, we know that we've repented. We know we've changed. It's about... Um, immediate steps and developing a healthy and strong relationship with our Father God. It's about that relationship. That's, that's what God's really put on my heart. It's not about, if, it, if it's about rules, it's not going to last very long. So what is realigning? Um, realigning. Well, having broken agreement with the lies that we have believed and the strongholds built in our lives and experienced God's work of releasing us into freedom, we have to deliberately realign ourselves with the truth. So Kate was speaking about this for the last couple of weeks. We're calibrating. It's the same, it's the same principle, realigning. So I really feel that God's hand is on this lesson at the moment for us as a church. Realigning is about making a new agreement with the truth of who God is and who he says we are. It's declaring the truth about our freedom and how he has made us our original design. And that's why it's so important to cling on to those original designs. Now, I'm, I'm not saying for one moment that everything that you, was said to you on that, on that appointment is the truth. 
but I'd say a lot of it is. And if you don't make that your truth, if that's why we that's why we do that. We want to we want to present you with what Father thinks about you, because that's the most important thing. What God thinks about you, how He made you to be, not not the way that this world says that you are, not the way that your situation and your sequence of events that has caused you to be like this says you are. Now there's a better story. God's got a better word about who you are. We need that to be what we build our foundation on. We need to build our, that needs to be who we, yeah, who we say we are. And we grow from that place. So we need to replace in these four areas. In the conscience, in the mind, in the imagination, and the will. Now the mind, the imagination, the will is what makes up the human soul. So they're the three areas that we do all our thinking, all our dreaming, all our being in. The emotions will follow that. A lot of us, we try and um, we, we react to our emotions. Uh, if I feel like this, I'll do this. This must be bad because I feel like that. But it, their relation, emotions are unreliable. They're not to be, <laughs> they are to be trusted, but they're not to be trusted. They're not to be, um, to be our sole purpose. And so many of us uh, rely on our emotions. For me, I spent years and years, if it felt good, I did it. That was my principle. And that got me into a lot of mess, and it hurt a lot of people. Like, oh, this can't be that bad. It feels good, you know? Um, and I used you know, alcohol, drugs, um, relationships to just make myself, if it felt good, do it. Uh, and it's such an unhealthy, um, yeah, destructive way. But I didn't, I didn't see it. I just thought, well, if it, well, if it's good, it, if it feels good, it must be good. So we need to replace in the areas of the mind and the heart. So the mind's the first thing. The mind thinks in words, numbers, so rational, sequential, straight line, logical things that can be written down. And lots of you would think like that. Like lots of, well, we all think like that. But some of you will lean to that more. Um, I've, I, I think I read when I was preparing this that men often think much more logically and sort of sequentially. They think, you know, like, oh, that's the problem, fix it. You know, like, they think like that. They like to see things in black and white. Um, therefore, we need to allow God to renew that, that, that process in our minds, the renewing of our minds by filling them with the truth and good thoughts, whilst taking captive every thought that takes us back to an old pattern. Now, the, 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 the revelation of being able to actually take your thoughts captive was a, was a new one on me. I, I just thought if it came into your head, then you just, you know, it was there. I didn't know that we had a, a choice or an even a responsibility to question what we were thinking. Just because we're, we're thinking it doesn't mean it's okay. Uh, we, ha we actually have a responsibility to, to if you like... Sent, not censor our minds, but like, well, what's that, what am I actually thinking? What, am I, what actually goes on in here? Is it truth? Is it life? Why am I thinking these things? The process is an active choice, and it's an engagement of the will, and it takes a little bit of effort. 
And it says in Philippians 4, uh, 8, it says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure. I don't think um, Paul was saying this because he wanted everyone to think nice things. He He knows, he knew that what you think about determines who you become. And Rich, Rich um, talks about this often. Um, and I, it's, so you're going to have to go through it again because I'll forget. So, reap, uh, no. So, so are thoughts. Reap an action. There we go. So, what you think about is where you're going, is who you're going to become. Starts with a Starts with a thought, ends up in a destiny. So, Paul knew that. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. How many people think like that every day? That's the heart of God. That's the mind of God. I don't think he's. I don't think he's thinking anything that other than those things. It's about making God's kingdom our number one priority in our mind and in our heart. The heart relates to our imagination and our emotions. So this is other, lots of other people think in their imagination. They see in colours, they see in numbers, they see in, uh, you know, I, that to me, I, I don't really see in that. But the, the, it's said that the imagination is the cinema of the heart. The images in our heart determine our destiny, which is what Rich is... Um, little thing is. The the visions and the images we carry and rehearse inside of us determine how we live our life and therefore who we become. So, I don't know, have you ever seen yourself responding in a situation before it's happened? So if you're thinking, uh, I'm going to speak to this person and I'm going to say this and they're probably going to say that and then I'm going to be like that. And they're going to get... You've already predestined what's going to happen that's in your heart that's your that's who you are <laughs> uh, and what we what we what we want to get to is the point where you're questioning that no that's that's not what's going to happen no I, i'm a new creation there's something new i have a new way god has placed this in me i'm going to respond i'm going to engage my will and i'm going to respond this way that's how my old self that's how i see my old self need to start to see myself in the imagination of my heart as God sees me. We need to feed our imaginations with healthy images and symbols that realign us with God's truth and move us on in our original design. An exercise could be to sit there and say, how do you see me, God? How do you see me? And just close your eyes and let him put pictures into your mind or into your heart. And then say... All right, that's how you see me. Okay, I'm gonna. That's my new position. You know, an, an, an imagination surrendered to God is a powerful thing. You know, a, a sanctified imagination. That's the, the words that we've been hearing recently. An, an imagination that's not surrendered to God is that it can be dangerous. So the emotions. Emotions follow the mind and the imagination. They're the third in line. They're not first. They're the third. They're the third one. They are God create. They are God created and valid because they signal what is happening in our hearts. 
but we don't have to follow them wherever they take us. We don't have to just um, react to our emotions. Right, throughout the Psalms and the other scriptures, we see God's people expressing, expressing raw emotions honestly and through praise and worship, moving beyond them and into truth and trust. Have you ever noticed in the Psalms how, like, especially, the ones, especially the ones that start with a lament, with a bit of, yeah, I'm a bit peed off here, and, they, and, he, and they, they go for it, and they're like, God, why have you forsaken me? Why do my enemies hunt me down? Why, why is work so bad? Why, am I, why is my family such a nightmare? You know, the lament that we all have. God, are you really there? And, but at the end, they come in with truth and trust. And they come in with the, the yes, God, you are, you are mighty. You are, you are marvelous in your ways. You never let me down. You're always with me. Oh, I could run for, uh, you know, to the ends of the earth and you'd never leave me. That's the truth. Like, so... That's almost a picture of how we are to be. We're not to deny our emotions. No, 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 no. I'm not going to feel that. I'm not going to think that. No. Do that. Express that. Be honest with God. But then come in with the truth at the end. Then come in with the, with the uh, realign yourself with God and say, but you say this. This is who you are. And, and I think that is a great picture of, of how we realign ourselves with God. We don't avoid our emotions or pretend they don't exist. We just deny them the place of authority that they want. We deny them the place of uh, like unhealthy influence. Don't get caught up on what you feel. I always remember my sponsor said to me, um, your feelings can't kill you. <laughs> because when you're coming out, when you're in recovery and you're, 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 you know, you're coming off of drugs and alcohol, feelings are new. <laughs> because a lot of the feelings you've suppressed and you just drank, and you're feeling a lot of anger, you're feeling a lot of um, fear, you, you don't know what's going on, like your life's all a bit of a mess at that time, and your feelings can drive you back to the drink, or they can drive you in a certain direction. And he said, look, feelings aren't going to kill you. Like, sit in them. Like, just see them for what they are as feelings, and like, ride it out. And I found that, it was a bit tough, but I found that really good advice. Feelings won't kill you. So this is, this is what the aim is. We want to develop a lifestyle of freedom. So we're on to the next page. And these two are biblical truths. They are spiritual truths that are like, yeah, written in the foundations of the earth. And, and, and I believe that this is the crux of it. Okay, The power of agreement. The power of agreement. What we believe matters. Okay? What you think about God matters. What you think about God matters. What you think about others matters. And what you think about yourself matters. If you've got a negative attitude of yourself, if you think of yourself as a worm, or if you think of yourself as a... a, Yeah, I'm just... I, don't, I always fail in that area, or I'm, I'm just not confident. That's who I am, or yeah, I always get hurt in relationships. Or whatever image you have that you carry in your heart of yourself determines the authority that's over your life. When we come into an agreement with a lie or a picture of ourselves that's not true, 
or a picture that, of God that's not true, or, um, or someone says something about someone else that's not true, and we come into agreement with that, we give authority to the, to, to the, to the devil, to the liar. The catchphrase I like is, in agreement, we empower. So whatever we agree with, we empower in our lives. We give it, we give it authority to work in us. We give it permission. By coming into agreement with it, we give it permission to, to, to feed us. And, that, and so repenting is breaking agreement. Repenting is a breaking. I'm not going to agree with that anymore. I repent. I'm going to turn from that lie. I'm going to come back under the authority of God. When we, when we agree with God's truth and we agree with what he says, we are back under authority of God. We're under the safety and the provision of God. We must receive a word, believe it to be true, come into agreement with it, and then apply it to our lives. There's no, there's no use in just, uh, just receiving a word and saying, yep, yeah, that's great. If it doesn't become our truth, if we don't make it our own, if it doesn't become our, our a new position, we'll, we'll lose it. The Word of God, no matter how faithfully we read it, if you could read your Bible every morning and every night and all day, it'll have little effect on your life unless you accept it as truth. We recalibrate our thinking by realigning with that truth. It says in the Bible that if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And when I was preparing that, I just had that, just came into my mind as I was, as I was preparing this little bit about power of agreement. God brought that verse to my mind. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. If you're in, any, if you're in doubt, or if you've got, the, what the devil will try and do is he'll sow seeds of doubt about who God is and what, what he said, he, who you are. And he'll try and sow those seeds of doubt. And if you're divided, if you've got a foot in both camps, you're unstable. We need to be rooted in the truth. And then on to the next one is the power of confession and declaration. And this is so powerful. This is so powerful. What we say matters. So what we say about ourselves matters. <laughs> what we say about others matters. And what we say about God matters. And what I mean about say is I mean say. I mean confessing. What, we, what comes out of our mouth. There's a spiritual um, truth. There's a, there's, a, there's a kingdom principle that declaration and confession are, are powerful. They, they, have, um, they, they hold some sort of like spiritual authority that I don't understand, but what comes out of our mouth, what we declare out, we give permission. We, like, God inhabits our praises. Like, think, of it, think of that. So if we sp speak out goodness of the goodness of God, he inhabits that praise. If we, uh, what we speak over ourselves has power over us. What we speak over other people has power. Um, it's 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 um, in Romans ten, and this verse is um, the context of this verse is uh, about being saved. It's about believing that Jesus is is, is your saviour and confessing with your mouth. 
and then believing in your heart, and then you will have eternal life. But there's so much more in this verse. When I think of the word confess, I always think of confessing sin or confessing your wrongs to someone. And, and, and this, 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 sums, this is the, the same. It's the power of confession. Why do we have to tell someone else our wrongs? Why do we have to confess with our mouth? Why does it have to come out of our lips? Because it holds power. And the word confess in Greek means to speak the same, to come into agreement, to voice the same conclusion, and to align with. You see, when we confess, we are aligning ourselves with God. So either if we're confessing sin or if we're confessing truths about who we are, we're aligning ourselves with God. And then the, the second part of Romans 10, it says, um, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. That word saved in Greek is sozo. And the root word of that means to deliver, to protect, to heal, to preserve, to do well, or to make whole. What you speak makes you whole. What you say has the power to restore, has the power to bring life, has the power to bring to healing. Confessing the truths of the Bible and declaring the promises of God can bring us into full agreement and alignment, and it holds the power to save, to preserve, to make whole. If you spent the time, or if I spent the time, speaking out the words of God, declaring the goodness of God, something happens to us inside. We can't help but be changed. Look at King, look at King David. Look at the Psalms. God said he was a man after his own heart. Of course he was. He spent his whole time declaring who God was. His heart just followed because he spoke it out. He declared it. He, he, he aligned himself with the truth and he became like God. He became, he's a man after God's own heart. Wow, wow I, want to be, I want to be a man after God's own heart. I, Rich and Katie really modeled this and, and I've noticed um, in, since I've been preparing this actually because I've been looking that when I spend time praying with them, spend a lot of time telling God who he is and telling and the, the goodness of God and what he's done in their lives and, 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 and just pouring out adoration, speaking, uh, praying passages of the Bible, truths of the Bible. What they're doing is just they're recalibrating themselves. They're realigning themselves with the truth and they're modelling it for us to do the same because it's powerful, it's life-giving, it's life-changing. What comes... like. We say so much stuff comes out of our mouth. I wonder how much of it is just killing us and how much we should be uh, speaking out truth and life. Um, I, I've, um, it's become a daily, well, it's become a, an aim to be a daily thing for me. And we were talking about it at a home group. Like, we all say quiet time with God. Well, I've renamed it noisy time with God. Because... Yeah, there is, there is scripture that says, be still and know that I'm God and be quiet. But there's only a few scriptures like that. There's a lot of declaring his goodness. There's a lot of, of, of speaking out the truths. There's a lot of it in the scripture that says, shout for joy. Shout the praises of God. Because it does something to you. It does something. I, 
I've had times where I've just had to let it go. I've had to shout it out. And things are broken. Things have changed. I have changed because of it. And that is a biblical, spiritual truth that, yeah, I, I, I can't explain, but it, it happens. The person we need to agree with is God in every part of our person. Um, worship is another way. Now, as a church, we've been going on that journey of worship. Right? I don't know about you, but on a Sunday mo- after a Sunday morning, after singing worship, after singing the praises of God, I've, I've, I come out different. I come out of here on a Sunday morning different than when I came in. It's because I've spent the time to realign myself. I've been in the. I've, I've spoken the truths of God. I've sung them out over myself. And worship is more than just singing. It's a. It's a lifestyle. It's the way we live, and it's an act, um, focusing our lives on serving, honouring, and trusting God. And and rebellion. Um, worship is the opposite to rebellion. Re- a rebellious spirit is doing things your own way, in your own, because it's because you can, because you're allowed because God's given you free choice. But worship is the submission of saying, no, I'm going to do it your way, God. I trust you. I'm going to voluntarily submit myself to you. I'm going to go your way. We become like who we worship. And we, we become like what we behold. We behold Christ. If we worship Christ, we become like him. And I believe that that's very much putting on your, your armour of God. that It says in Ephesians 6, prayer, declaration, worship, it's all putting on the armour of God. And that's how we strengthen our relationship with the truth. And Jesus said that I am the way, the truth and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. No one can reach the Father except by coming through the truth, by receiving the truth and knowing it, receive the Father. So we can actively enhance our time and and talk and touch with the Father. And these are some of the examples. And it's another list of things to do. But I don't want it to be another list of things that you can do. I want it to be a a heart for you to, to desire that intimacy with God to the desire reading his word because you know that it's going to bring you life. It's going to bring truth. Not because I've got to read this amount to get through the Bible in a year or because I've got to, because it's on the thing. Like so often I just read, well, I can read. And if I know that I've got three or four lines down and I haven't taken anything in, I'm just reading it. Sometimes that's okay, but it's about that. It's personal worship and alone time with God. Not, not, not quiet time, noisy times. Soaking and dreaming with God. Hearing God's revelation for yourself and others. Talking with God. Prayer. Declaration. Fasting. And some areas that you can really press into God to realign and replace yourself. And the support of your church community. Now, just briefly, because I need to finish... Um, personal testimony is a huge one, okay? If you, you've all got a story. You've all got a story that God met with you and you're different. The Bible is your story. That 
that whole, what Jesus done, he done for you. It's your story. You know, God's got a story. You've got a story. And when we, when we know our story, when we know our testimony, when we see our life through that lens of what God's done for us, we come into agreement with him. It's so easy to forget what God's done because we live in this world where it's bombarded by stuff all the time. And yeah, it was yesterday's news. Um, and I said this yesterday, but Kate said to me on Sunday morning, she said, oh, uh, how, how have you been? I haven't seen you for a couple of weeks. And, and I was like, yeah, all right. Like, a bit nonchalant about it. She's like, are you still a Christian? Are you, st- are you still sober? And I was like, yeah. And then I went, and, and as I was praying, I thought, ah, that's all I need. That's, that's what it's about, isn't it? Like, I f- forget where I've come from. You just see where you are now. And you think, and you get this spirit of entitlement. And, oh, yeah, I need more. I deserve more. And yet, where I was was so distant and far away from God. And now I'm so, oh, I'm so lucky. I've got everything I need. And like, remembering where you've come from, remembering your testimony, remembering what God's done for you. Like the Israelites just, rem- just told themselves over and over again, this is what God's done for us. He rescued us. He plucked us out of this. He, he took us from there. He sent it, you know, look at what he's done. Because if you don't see it through that lens, if you see it through, oh, put, oh just me. You just kind of like, yeah, you lose the truth. And we can do that by and carrying on with that. It's covenant relationships, running partners, accountability. All of these things will really help you to, um, you know, replace and realign. Small groups, women's groups, celebrate recovery. Yeah. Interceding and standing with others that ask for prayer. That's so important. Because... Yeah, when we it, it takes us out of ourself again, and it put and we put interceding. I always think of putting else, someone else's shoes on, st- standing in their shoes, and praying for them, and and, and willing them on it. And then we got um, an exercise there, and you can do this in your small groups or home groups or whatever you like. It's um, the stronghold of insignificance. I chose that one because I felt like it's it comes up a lot. And, the, and you just read the diagram and follow that through. And you can share that in your groups. And then there's some questions for you to consider in your groups. And I've put on there your testimony. So think about that before you go to your small group. So you've got that planned. List the things that God's done in your life. List them. It'll be really powerful for you to have that. Uh, I put mine in my phone. And I can, when I'm feeling down or when I'm feeling like, a million miles away from God, or if I, I know that I'm not living in the truth, I read what God's done in my life, and I remind myself, just as the Israelites done. Okay, that's the lesson. Lots to take in. Thanks for listening. That's right, pleasure. Um, yeah.